Web Services. Welcome to the Cloudonaut podcast. We are your hosts, Andreas and Michael Wittig. This podcast is about all things AWS, and here we share our insights uh, that we gain by working with AWS on a daily basis. And this is episode number 75, and we are recording this on the end of March, March 29 in 2023. So, Andreas, I think it's time to get started here. So, what is the first thing that you learned last week when working with AWS? So Michael, before I start with that, I want to share one um, one um, big announcement. Oh because yeah, sorry. <laughs> our book is now printed. So AWS in Action, the third edition, is printed. So there are already copies um, on on it on their way to <laughs> to Germany. So printed copies of the book are uh, on the way to us, and I think you can already order it on Manning.com, on Amazon.com, and wherever you buy your books it might take a few days uh, until they get shipped but yeah they are out now so this is really a reason to celebrate and um, we are definitely planning uh, to make some more noise probably next week or the following week uh, have a release party or something like that but yeah the good news is AWS in action is now uh, available the printed version is available that's that's the very good news yeah, that's right. And I mean, I received a call from FedEx yesterday um, because there are some, some issues with, with uh, customs. So <laughs> if we, our books are waiting for, I think it's called clearance or something. So mm -hmm. um, because the problem here is that as an author, you receive a certain amount of free books. So mm -hmm. they print on the package that the value of the uh, package is zero. Well, that's zero dollars. <laughs> but it actually is quite heavy. And so they don't believe uh, basically what's on the, uh, on the uh, package. So they have reached out to us and asked what's in there. And I hopefully cleared all these um, <laughs> yeah, missing information for them. Let's see uh, if they can just go through customs or if you have to pay value-added tax. I think so far we never paid value-added tax. So maybe yeah, let's see it. what happens this time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Andreas. Um, so Okay, um, yeah. But now, now to dive into the uh, technical uh, things. So I think one... Um, one thing that um, we did uh, in the past seven days is um, we had a look at the security of our AWS account root users. And the reason I was uh, thinking about the whole stuff was that um, recently there were, so there were news about um, iPhones getting stolen and the thief basically shoulder-serving the victims uh, to, to get the PIN code. And with that, with the PIN code and the iPhone, you then basically have access to Face ID and everything on the phone. So basically, you can open all the apps that use Face ID, or, or at least most of them. There's some differences there. And um, then you get access to yeah, most of the things that are on the iPhone. And I was a little concerned <laughs> about that because... Um, yeah, so we are using we were using MFA of course for our AWS account root users, but we used um, OTP for that. And the reason was um, that until the beginning of the year, um, this was the only way you could share an MFA device, a virtual MFA device, um, with others. Uh, and because we both need access to the root user uh, in the account, uh, I think this was the only, really the only way to, to handle that. 
And um, but yeah, because of that issue with the with iOS, iPhones, and so on, I thought about oh maybe we should have a second look at that. And I know that now AWS supports uh, multiple um, hardware uh, security keys for uh, IAM users and also the account root users. And so <laughs> we have been going through the yeah very painful process <laughs> of setting up uh, hardware tokens for all our AWS accounts. Um, we, we are using YubiKeys. Um, those are really, I, I really love those devices. These are really uh, easy to use keys that you connect via USB-C to your MacBook or uh, with NFC to, to iOS, to your iPhone. And um, so now we're using uh, those YubiKeys to protect our uh, account root users. And I own two of these Yubi keys and you own two of those uh, keys and we have added all those keys um, to the AWS account root users. Yeah, so both of us have access and when we lose a key, we still have the other one. Uh, so I think this should be uh, fine because, yeah, of course, it's important to have a backup for your key <laughs> in case you, I don't know, uh, lose it or someone um, uh, someone. Uh, Gets, gets access to that. Yeah, so I think now I'm, I'm quite uh, happy with the results. So we have a very strong MFA for all our AWS account root users. Um, the, we are not using any IAM users. We're using um, um, the AWS SSO or Identity Center uh, for that. And with Google, I have configured my YubiKey as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy and confident <laughs> that this should um, protect from, from most um things yeah so that's the thing so i highly recommend using yubi keys and um use them also as the mfa devices for your uh, account root users yeah that's a good point and andreas let me ask one question because how how you handle it so i have my backup yubi key in my office and i have the other one i carry it around with me basically it's on my i mm. think it's called the keychain right a physical keychain with all mm. the keys yeah. <laughs> is yes. this how you do it as well yeah and do okay. it the same way yeah all right. Um, so uh, I, I I was a little bit disappointed because basically the most important services for us is AWS, Google, and also Slack. So I was mm. a little bit disappointed that it's not possible to, to use YubiKeys with Slack. Um, okay. Mm. Um, because I tried to add it there as well. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's still now the, the one password uh, OTP um, uh, configured there for me. But um, I mean, we don't share too sensitive information in Slack. So um, that should be fine, right? Um, okay, Andreas. So that's definitely worth it. Uh, I, I hope so because it, I spend a lot of time logging into uh, AWS accounts with a root user <laughs> and, and changed all of that. Um, but uh, it's definitely uh, better protected now. So the thing that I learned and I'm still learning actually is that my task on the plate was um, it, it, it shouldn't be that complicated to download a large file from S3. And when I say large, I mean the maximum uh, file size, which is five terabytes. So my my naive assumption was that I can just use the SDK, and in my case, it's the Node SDK, and kind of get the object, and within reasonable number uh, of seconds <laughs> or minutes, the file will be on my hard disk. Um, turns out that that's not the case. So I calculated a couple of numbers that I want to share with, with our listeners, and one thing to mention here is that I measured everything on an M5 CN6 extra large instance. 
So <laughs> they are very special and I actually used them the first time uh, this week. So those are uh, machines with very uh, fast CPU cores. So they can have a clock speed of 4.5 gigahertz. That's the quickest you get on AWS. Um, and I run the instance in uh, Ireland, EU West one. Um, so keep that in mind when I share my numbers. So using the Node SDK, and if I say SDK, I mean the version two of the SDK because I really hate the documentation of version three. I can't understand them, I'm very sorry. I mean, I think I have reasonable experience using version two, but the version three SDK docs, I don't get it. So it's really, I have no idea how anyone can, can find information here. And then even with Google, it's not really possible to find what you're looking for. So that's why I'm not very, uh, like my default is still version two, even though they added now this annoying uh, warning message <laughs> that uh, they are, I think, finalizing their plans for deprecating <laughs> version two. And uh, I think we will see how that goes. But um, yeah, so just to mention that, um, I, I, I used the version two SDK here. And if you just call the S3 get object method, you can download a file with a speed of uh, 0.75 gigabits per second. And basically that's not very quick <laughs> or that's not very fast. So that's pretty slow. Um, if you want to uh, transfer a five terabyte file uh, using that uh, bandwidth, you will spend, uh, I think, a couple of, or at least a day downloading the file. So that's, that's slow. So I looked into options because I thought that, I mean, there is actually a way to kind of paralyze that, right? I think I, I used uh, the Java SDK before where it is possible. And I saw this in other SDKs as well. So because S3 offers a feature that I think they call it byte range fetch. So when you download a file, you can say, okay, give me this portion of the file. And by portion, you specify uh, starting at byte zero up to byte maybe uh, 1 million, and then from 1 million and 1 up to 2 million and so on and so forth. And then you can download those files in parallel. And then you get kind of twice the speed as before. Um, but it's not implemented in Node.js. Um, there doesn't seem to be any reasonably updated um, library available that does it. And there's one from AWS Labs that is, I think, five or six years old, the last commit. So, yeah, we thought, okay, let's write our own. I mean, can't be too complicated, right? And I will share the link in, in, the, in the chat now. Um, Keep in mind that this is not, I haven't pushed my latest changes. So if you're interested in this, please, please wait on, uh, until the end of the day. Uh, so I had to make <laughs> my final commit here. Um, so I wasn't uh, able to finish it in time. Sorry for that. But it's, it's already on my local machine. I just have to kind of uh, fix a couple of small things around docs and then I can uh, push it. So please um, look at this uh, at the end of the day. Um, so using the parallel fetch, I basically now can configure how many parts I want to download in parallel. So for example, 16 or 32 or whatever I wish. And you can also configure the size of the parts. So do you want to have, uh, I think AWS recommends eight to 16 megabyte parts, but also they recommend that you download it in the same part size that was uploaded. So it is a little bit contradictory, but um, from my point of view, this doesn't, doesn't change things uh, quite dramatically. So. What I want to show you is the number. So I was able to get up to three gigabytes, gigabits, sorry, gigabits per second um, using the version two SDK. And I was frustrated, Andreas, because I mean, I, I, I configured it to download, uh, for example, 16 files in parallel. So I was, I was expecting that I can now get up to 10 gigabits per second. So 16 times uh, 0.75. Um, but that's not the case. Um, so I thought, okay, let's give the SDK version three a try. 
So I kind of restructured everything, rewrote everything, and then it turned out I can now download 3.2 gigab gigabits per second. So that's like a 7% increase or something. And so not, not very promising as well. And so I was disappointed and I I thought, I mean, that, that can't be possible, right? And so I thought, or I tried to understand what's actually going on in the SDK. It turns out lots of things are going on inside the SDK. Lots of complicated things are going on inside the SDK. So I decided to rewrite the library to use the native HTTPS request uh, of Node.js. So nothing, I, I have no SDK anymore. I just make the API calls myself. And what we also did, and this was actually a hint, Andreas, that, that you provided, and also someone on, on Mastodon um, added this, um, I'm going to resolve the DNS entries myself because there is a limit on EC2 uh, that says uh, a single flow and a flow is kind of like if you access one server, like one source, destination, IP address, port combination from one, um, from one machine, you are limited to five gigabits per second for the single flow. So what I wanted to ensure is that I have multiple endpoints on the three sides or multiple IP addresses so that I have multiple flows open running in parallel. And so I resolve the DNS myself. I get back a couple of IP addresses from AWS. I make sure that I kind of round robin through them and I update them every every couple of seconds. So to make sure that if they change anything on their side, I'm, I'm still getting the latest IP addresses. And with all those changes, I'm now able to download with 6.5 gigabits per second from Amazon S3. And with 6.5 gigabits per second, um, it still takes two hours to download a five terabyte file, which is still super slow. Um, but it seems to be the maximum that's possible with Node.js uh, because what I see from kind of the performance tools and the, the monitoring and profiling tools is that the event queue of Node.js is at 100%. And I have no idea how I can make the code even more uh, optimized because I think there's nothing in there that could be striped out. Um, so I'm kind of, kind of, it's kind of game over for me here, Andreas. So I'm not able to, to get it any faster. Um, I can quickly double this number to two at, at two times by starting two Node.js processes. But um, this really doesn't help me because I have to orchestrate and make sure that because they write to the same file on my disk, right? I mean, I have to add a couple of or a bunch of additional logic if I need multiple processes to actually do the work. Um, so for a single node process, this seems to be kind of the maximum that's possible. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that's my, my findings. So if you're really interested in, 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 in pumping large amounts of data through a process, um, probably Node and definitely not the AWS SDK for Node.js is a good choice. Um, so uh, keep that in mind. Um, so we haven't yet decided, Andreas, really what we do. So for now, we just leave it as, as it is. Um, we might um, have to switch to a different language, actually, or we uh, just keep the, the limitation and it takes two hours. Mm. Yeah, so what I find quite interesting is that there is an SDK, AWS SDK, used by thousands and thousands of developers and there's actually no way built in <laughs> to efficiently download an object from S3. This is really crazy because I think how many people do that every day? How many people write that into their code? And this is just a, the, the most inefficient method to download something from S3 is the, is the thing that is implemented in the SDK. 
I mean, the interesting part is that there is an, an uploader, a multi-part uploader. Mm -hmm. So the upload part is kind of implemented. <laughs> but but, but by the way, um, as far as I've seen in, in version 3 of the AWS SDK, this is no longer the case. There's no uploader available uh, for There's an extra, an extra library. So I, I saw ah, okay. that. There's an extra library. I mean, you have okay. to find it. Definitely a challenge because okay. it's not I part didn't. of the docs. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found okay. something by Googling uh, something and just by accident I discovered this. I think a lib storage is it. It's called lib storage ah, or something. Okay. So very very obvious okay. that you have to search for lib storage to find it but of course of yeah. course yeah yeah version 3 is really a nightmare uh, the at least at least it's yeah uh, okay yeah so Mike, yeah seems like an easy task to download large files from a three but it turns out there's a lot <laughs> took, <laughs> me, took me a week andreas <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> great progress uh, here. at least we have um, we have an open source project now so it hopefully helps others as well and maybe others have an idea how to improve it so if you have one yes idea um feel free to open issues pull requests and so on uh, we are really looking forward to improve that even further okay uh, yeah, okay, so Michael, so the last topic for today is um, something, so it's maybe, I would say it's a definitely a niche topic <laughs> on AWS, but it's one that um, that I um, run into, and it's about this uh, video live stream that is currently running. Um, because, um, so we have shared our video and audio setup a few times, but uh, I think the most important thing that we use is an Atom Mini Pro. So this is a small device um, that basically mixes video inputs and allows you to record the whole thing on disk and also um, stream the video uh, live to, for example, YouTube or other, um, other uh, services. And I wanted to try out to not only stream to YouTube, but in parallel also to other um, social uh, networks, for example, to LinkedIn. Of course, um, we are active on LinkedIn, and I thought, uh, so this might be natural to stream the video uh, there as well um, in parallel. And the issue is, uh, basically there are two issues. First is the, my internet uh, connectivity. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so it will be maybe possible to have two parallel streams up and running, but it's definitely um, yeah, coming to the, uh, to the maximum throughput that I have for uploading data to the internet here in my office. And the other thing is that the Atom Mini Pro, the device that I'm using from Blackmagic, does not support streaming to more than one uh, destination. Uh, so I was looking around and uh, tried to find a solution for that. And first I uh, looked around and there are definitely software as a service providers out there that solve that exact problem. So basically you give them one video stream and they distribute it to multiple destinations. So you can buy uh, stuff for let's say fifty dollars per month. There's uh, some some services that do that out there. Okay, so that was the first thing I found. But then I was a little frustrated because yeah, we are using it only every one or two weeks, and I don't want to have another subscription <laughs> for another service. And I thought, oh, maybe there is something from AWS that solves this problem. And I remembered that there, uh, basically, uh, as I remember, um, AWS bought a company, I think, this, this with a product portfolio that is called Elemental. And they have a few services related to stream and distribute and convert and all that stuff, um, video and audio. And uh, I looked around and it took me a while to figure out which of the many services <laughs> fits my needs. But at the end, I found out that AWS Elemental Media Live is exactly what I'm looking for. Because what um, AWS Elemental Media Live allows me to do is it basically uh, allows me to create uh, an input 
And the input is basically uh, an endpoint that I can stream the video from my Atom Mini Pro to AWS. So this gives me an IP address, a port, and so on. And I'm just streaming my video and audio to this input. And then I can define so-called channels. And a channel basically takes one input and then distributes this input to multiple destinations. So I can add, I don't know what's the limit, but um, multiple uh, outputs there. And you can even do some uh, converting your audio and video signals into different formats, into different bit rates, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I haven't done that. I just use the defaults that are in there because I don't understand anything about all those <laughs> codecs and <laughs> all that stuff. I have basically no idea what I'm doing. Um, but what I, what I uh, figured out is that I can um, then define uh, YouTube and LinkedIn as the outputs for um, uh, my channel in, in Media Live. And now what you see now is basically the audio and video stream going through AWS Elemental Media Live to YouTube and LinkedIn. And so now we can distribute our podcast recording to multiple destinations and Maybe we can think about adding uh, other uh, um, channels in the future. Um, but yeah, but for now, uh, that's really interesting. And um, I think what is um, maybe interesting to know is you're paying, of course, for the service and you're paying it for the time that this whole video streaming setup is active. This is yeah, kind of expensive, I would say, or it depends on uh, what you use for a comparison, but it's not cheap, definitely. Uh, and you're paying a very, very little fee for uh, keeping the resources stopped in your account. And um, that's what I'm doing uh, at the moment. I'm, I'm uh, starting the thing shortly before we do our uh, podcast recording and I'm turning it down afterwards. And um, what I've thought about is, um, this is something I have on my to-do list, um, is to use CloudFormation to spin up all the resources from scratch every time I need them and then really delete all resources when I don't use them because then I can reduce those minimal costs uh, even further. Uh, only downside is when I delete that and recreate it, I get a new endpoint every time, which means a new IP address that I have to configure in my uh, at a mini pro device um, but other than that i think uh, this would allow us to reduce the cost even more and then it's really a few i don't know maybe a dollar for uh, one of our live streams or something so it's really a cheap and cost efficient solution for uh, doing that and we could add i don't know other linkedin uh, live events for example with your profile or stream on twitch as well stuff like that so it's possible to add as many outputs as we want and we don't increase the bandwidth that is used uh, from my office mm -hmm. yeah so i found this is a yeah, very niche topic definitely <laughs> but i found it interesting that there is a solution for that um, by aws and i could use it um, and I, it was not too complicated to get it up and running i think it took me maybe um two to four hours to configure everything with the Atom Mini Pro, the AWS side, the YouTube side, the LinkedIn side, and so on. Um, yeah, I'm quite happy with that setup. Yeah, that's cool, Andreas. And I mean, the, the only problem basically that, that still remains is finding the right AWS service for your problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Out of There's something for services. everything, but <laughs> you have to kind of remember, oh, this was media elemental life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely a challenge okay Michael I would say that's it 
Uh, we will be back probably next week. Subscribe to our newsletter, podcast, or YouTube channel to make sure you're not missing the upcoming shows. And we're looking forward to your feedback. Hello at cloudonow.io or find us on LinkedIn, Mastodon, and Twitter. Yeah, you also find all the links in the show notes or the video description. And uh, I think that's kind of it. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.